Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. Before we get started, if you can please subscribe to the podcast and write a review, those things really help out a lot. Um, any suggestions you have, anything you like, love to hear that, and I do appreciate that. Uh, and without further ado, my guest today is DJ and producer known as Prismatic. Um, he is a Denver based DJ, and he has a new release out now with Lizzie Jane called Dance that came out on Subsidia Records. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview and I'll put links to the new song and such in the bio. Thanks. We're rolling and we're live. What's going on, man? I'm glad we could sit down and do this. <clears throat> yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. You, you've got, um, So you just got put on a new song, um, mm -hmm. Dance, with Lizzie Jane. Mm -hmm. And dude, tell me about that. Was that exciting? How how was that? Let's just dive into it a little bit here on the music side of things. Like, how was that putting that together? And was that one of your first collabs you've done with anybody? Yeah. So, um, so that actually that wasn't one of my first. Um, I've I've done a lot of collabs. Um, for a while, I was like really into doing collaborations with people. Mm -hmm. um, but this past year, I've actually kind of been laying low on the collaborations and um i don't know i've just been having a lot of fun writing solo tracks um and i don't know why i think it's just because like with everything going on i can just kind of like you know get in my own headspace and just kind of like go at my own pace but um i've written a lot of tracks with uh, some of my favorite um repeating collaborators are delta nine uh au5 um my homie true feels um, and, uh, I used to collaborate a lot with this guy named Wes Goody. Um, and I've done a lot of other collaborations with a lot of other artists, but this collaboration in particular was the first one that I did with Lizzie Jane. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was set up by our management team because we are on, I believe we're on the same management team. Uh, it's called outer loop records management. Um, and, uh, our managers, uh, kind of like, you know, hooked it up. They're like, Hey, you guys want to work on something together? And I was like, sure, yeah, I had heard of Lizzie Jane. Um, I had heard of her. She does this like podcast mix series called Exo Radio. Exo Radio, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, that's actually how I heard about her. And I, I like looked through her music, and it was it was pretty sick. And um, yeah, so she sent me a bunch of tracks, and I heard the song called Dance. It sounded much, 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 much different. Uh, it was very different um, when it was sent to me. And uh, it was only like a minute long as well. So she sent me the project and I kind of like the melodic stuff in that track is a lot of it's hers. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she sent me like a drop and the drop was super cool, but I wanted to like kind of make it like more of me because I feel like that's kind of my specialty is like drops and sound design and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I wrote the drop and kind of like finished out the track and then um, I sent it over to her to kind of like wrap up and she wrote the uh, vocals on it. And um, then uh, after we wrapped it up, it was just kind of like sitting on the shelf for a while, like a month or two. I wrapped it up in about around June, I want to say. Wow. Um, and then it sat on the shelf for like a month. I got the stems in, in March, like right before the, the pandemic hit. And um, I was like kind of procrastinating on it for a while. And because uh, I'm I'm a horrible procrastinator when it comes to collaborations and things like that. <laughs> um, 
Any so real quick, like just a side note, a lot of producers love deadlines. Right. When I have a deadline, it makes me want to procrastinate more. That's why I was saying like I've been kind of writing a lot of solo tracks this year because I'm just kind of like doing my own thing, going at my own pace. Don't yeah. really have to like rush shit. You know what I mean? I can you like, like, I mean, I mean, there, there are tracks that I make where I get it done really quickly, but then there are some that I kind of sit on and you know what I mean? You don't like the, uh, the rush of the art. You like to like let it flow, kind of feel yeah. it out. Like if, okay, exactly. like, kind of let it improve as much as possible rather than like, okay, you, gotta yeah. do it. you have to do and it in like, 15 days. And you're like, Oh God. Okay. Let me just do it the night before. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm, I, that's how I did school and that's how I do like uh, collaborations and stuff. Um, but yeah, it, uh, so what happened is that, um, Excision's management hit up, uh, Lizzie Jane's management. Cause it's like, we're on the same team, but we have separate managers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, she sent them a bunch of tracks and they were interested in the, in the, uh, track. So that's kind of how that happened. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like it was kind of luck. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, obviously, we we both worked really hard on this track, and we're both really happy with it. Um, but it just—I don't know. I just didn't anticipate that this release was going to pop off the way it was. Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking about that a little bit before we started the recording. But like I said, it was one of my favorite tracks on night itself. And I appreciate it, that. And absolutely, man. But like on the real, it was. And um, I don't know if you know this. I. I I have interviewed Lindsay, Lizzie before, so I've been in I contact with that. her a little bit. And I, yeah, I, she was one of the one of the first DJs I got to interview. And um, so, like when I saw that she was featured on it as well, I sh- I messaged her and was like, "Hey, like, congrats! Like, that's awesome!" Blah blah blah. And I checked it out. And the song is like we were saying, it's a little bit, it's um, in that playlist. It's a lot of rhythm. I, I mean, everything's hard in that one playlist, of course. But there's a lot of rhythm, and yours like stuck out as a little your your song that you got two worked on was stuck out as very very unique, and it had like a different type of dubstep feel to it to me. Like yeah. like we were saying before, more dubstepy rather than rhythm is kind of what we were just in it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like dude. to use the term bro step. Kind of it's kind of more bro steppy, I would say. Um, that's kind of how like a lot of my stuff is. I've been trying to do more of like the rhythm kind of thing this year, us and last year as well. Um, but like, I just feel like my stuff always sounds like a little bro steppy still, you know. Um, but I think it's cool though that it's like, um, it's cool that it's like unique and and it's cool that it stands out. And I feel like, like I said, a lot of people kind of hit me up and told me that um, they really liked it. Oh, I was hoping to show the Google browser it didn't connect to it. I was I was on your SoundCloud earlier. I was gonna talk about um some of your songs that you were you have out on SoundCloud, but never mind, that's not working. Um but yeah, you you, you have an awesome style of, of dubstep. I like that a lot personally. Like I was listening to your Farsight EP. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that I was cranking it out in here before we started. Um uh, that's why I was on mute when you came on. But Yeah. Um but that's exciting that so like that that was the process of being involved with Subsidia was the decisions management reached out to you guys and was like, you know, hey, we want you featured on our first record release. Do you have a song that you can that we can check out kind of deal? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And um, I didn't entirely know that it was going to be a label um, when they asked for it. Um, I thought it was going to be like just the compilation or an excision like selection type of thing. 
and uh, it was just it was good. Like Excision was gonna like self release it because he's he does stuff like that. You know, he's self released compilations, and I yeah. think his um, Evolution remixes he just kind of like self released, but. Lo and behold, he was launching a gigantic <laughs> label compilation with 118 songs. So it's pretty pretty wild. And yeah, for real. Yeah, that, <laughs> that probably my biggest release I think I've ever had. It was even bigger. I think after that, before that, it was the the, the Disciple Roundtable release with AU5. Mm-hmm. That was that was an awesome release. I was really happy with that. Um, and I had a Wakan release too, and, and that was that was cool. I'm just really ha- grateful that I got to release on Wakan. Um, but just the the Disciple release and the Subsidia releases were crazy. Um, that got me a lot of attention, and I and I part of me feels like like I'm intensely grateful that I had those releases. But I'm just I just can't help but be a little bummed with the fact that like shows aren't really a thing this year, you know? Because I feel like if all this stuff had happened during a year with a crazy with you know business as usual and, and shows happening. I feel like, you know, we could, I could have done like, a, like a small tour or something like that. I had something like that in the works um, kind of before the pandemic hit, I signed on uh, with this booking agency called Mosh Squad. Um, and uh, if you guys are interested in some prismatic merch, you can go to the Mosh Squad website and there's like a merch, uh, uh, I think like a merch tab in there. We can get that link. Um, we'll make sure that's in the podcast description. For yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. But um, I signed on with this booking agency uh, slash like producer collective called Mosh Squad, and um, it's like just heavy bass music artists. And uh, we were, I was gonna do like a small tour with them, um, you know, before the pandemic. And I was gonna play like um, they had a, sh- a festival lined up in Maine that I was gonna play in August, and then they were gonna get something going in South Carolina. Um, but you know. Yeah. Now you brought up something that you were saying, like, oh, I wish it was business as usual because then, you know, I might be able to get seen more by people in real life and blah, blah, blah. But on the flip side of that, like, of Subsidia, I mean, I'm sure it would have happened, but it might not have happened as soon as it, you know, as it is because yeah. with Excision not having to tour and because and he would have had his evolution tour going and putting together Lost Lands and putting together Base Canyon, like, we could have been, you know, another year or so until we got Subsidia record label. And it that's something true. that's something that, you know, that, there's always like a silver lining within, I know like the pandemic sucks, don't get me wrong, trust me, I want live shows as much as anybody else, but like, yeah, it, it's, there is like some type of silver line or something positive that can come out of it, and that, this is probably one of those things, because it's like, Subsidia came out, put a, lot of, put a lot of artists on the map, a little bit higher than maybe they were, they were before, and now it's just keeping that momentum until shows do come back, you know, doing live streams yeah. or, or car shows, I don't know if they, car shows are interesting, I, I don't know what to think about them, I haven't been to one yet. Yeah, I want um, to go. They are interesting. Um, it's basically like a festival in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, they're they're cool. I know I know um, there are some that you know. Most of the ones I've seen have been doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm living in uh, you know Denver, Colorado, and uh, there's this guy Denver Dom. Uh, he uh, puts on, he has this promo company called Amplitude and he's been putting on a lot of drive-in shows and he's been doing a real good job um, keeping them safe, keeping everybody like distant, socially distanced and adhering to like rules and things like that. And he um, has been bringing out some really big acts too. Like he brought out Dirt Monkey and Virtual Riot and Barely Alive and Adventure Club and all these people. And uh, yeah, he's, he's doing a good job. He's, he's legit. And I know that there's some other ones happening. Um, I know, 
there was one in Baltimore where I'm from originally, um, Baltimore, Maryland, where um, I think sub- they had a Subtronics drive-in show, and I heard that was pretty successful. And yeah, they're we, weird, but we, you know, it's it's kind of like the best we've got for now. In Florida, where we're at, we've got two now scheduled in October. There's a virtual riot, champagne drip, and a couple others ones, and then there's a. I saw that. Yeah, that looks interesting. Yeah, and it's like a two day one, and it's weird how they did it. It's two days, but you could only buy one ticket one day at a time. They didn't do like a bundle deal where you can go both days. Right. It was like one day or one, you know, pick Saturday, pick Sunday, pick your choice. Sure. So yeah. it's it's interesting that they did it that way, but it is like a festival. I mean, it's a big, it's a huge lineup, and it's yeah. But it, yeah, I'm hoping to go to that one. We'll see if I go or not. But um, it's they're interesting to me, drive throughs I mean, like you're saying, it's the best we can do right now. Yeah. Um, at least for most states. I know Florida-wise, we're back open. <laughs> I mean, we're... we're oh, we're, oh, yeah. You, you guys are... Everything's wide open we'll now. Full send right now. <laughs> everything, everything is wide. As of last week, all the bars, everything club-wise, everything's open. They don't have to like... That was how they got around it before was the bars and, and clubs had to serve food. And no, that's what they're doing in Denver right now. Um, there's a couple clubs that uh, have reopened and more that are reopening, and they have like a full menu. Yeah, it's like, and, it's like um, nachos and mac and cheese. That's yeah, it's like tater tots and, and chicken fingers exactly. and stuff. But um, Exactly. That's exactly how it was here. We had a club. We have our EDM club here in Tampa, and they announced like out of the blue, you know, two months into the reopening phase where all the bar, like all the restaurant bars were open and they're like, we're now serving food. Like get in your, <laughs> like we're going to have a show. And they had um, three shows, Labor Day weekend, all bunts of blondes. And, uh, they did 10 people to a table and that's all they did was tables. And there was no like leaving the table yeah. and stuff like that, which was, I mean, I wanted to go and I was kind of intrigued to like, see how it was, see how it played out. And then, now I noticed that they, you know, the restrictions were dropped in Florida, like I said last week. So now everything's open at limited capacity, but it's open. And now that mm. now the clubs are like twenty five percent capacity, but there's no tables. They don't deserve food anymore. So it's like full things are full sending down here. It's crazy. It's crazy. Denver is like we're at like sixty five percent full send. I would say, um, like. Uh, a lot of the cl- there's a handful of clubs that have reopened with like what you were saying with limited capacity and tables and things like that. Um, but a lot of the uh, more traditional concert venues, because Denver is like it has a you know had a vibrant music scene with a oh, lot yeah. of different venues, and um, a lot of them are still closed. A lot, and there's like some classic venues out here like Cervantes Masterpiece Ballroom, or I think that's what it's called. That's still closed. Um, uh, the Ogden Theater's closed. Um, yeah, these places. Some of them are open, like like uh, your mom's house. That night, that's legitimately a name of a club out here. Your mom's house. That's uh, open. Um, Black Box is open. Uh, this place called Temple Night Club is reopening, and they're doing like this brunch thing. Um, this place called Club Vinyl. Uh, they're doing like rooftop shows, I think, where you where you know things like that. Um, and uh but like yeah a lot of the bigger venues are still closed um and, it's and a lot of pl- a lot of places are still closed out here um that's kind of what i'm saying we're at like 65 percent. you know what i mean we're not like fully open but we're open like enough um i actually went on labor day i went to a movie theater with my girlfriend i went to go see uh that new christopher nolan movie tenet oh, okay that came out have you heard do you know have you heard of it do you know what i heard is? it was really good Am I right? Am it's, I thinking the right one? I haven't seen it, no. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's good. I would say it's entertaining. Okay. 
I wouldn't say it's good. It's it's like you you saw Inception, right? Oh, that okay. Now I know what you're talking about. I now so, that, so, when you click that, yeah, it's so like think something that like that movie, but like more confusing. That's what, that's what I remember them saying. Now that yeah. now that you when right when you said Inception, I was like, I know what he's talking about now. Yeah, like it's it's good. It's just it's just like a lot of it's confusing, and 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 not like thoroughly ex- explained and. um the sound mixing of that movie is weird, and it wasn't just my theater. It was like um, across the board. Uh, like when I was watching YouTube reviews of it, everyone said the sound mixing was really off in classic Christopher Nolan style. The dialogue is really quiet, and the sound effects and score are really loud. So it's like when like an epic scene is happening, and there's this like loud music and <laughs> you know gunshots and things off. like that. You can't understand what anyone's saying, so it makes the movie like more confusing. But I gotta say, it was like. It was nice seeing like a movie in theaters, you know. It's it's yeah, we're at such weird times because it's like I understand both sides of like, hey, I want sure. you know, let's be safe, let's keep this closed, let's keep things closed. But I understand the other side where it's like, okay, I want to just do something. Like I'm bored. I want to or or the business side of it of is look, I, I'm I need to pay my bills. I need to do this right. and that. It's like we're such in this weird predicament and it. It seems like both sides just yell at each other, which one's right and which one's wrong, rather than trying to figure out some way to do it. But well, I mean, at least a soft opening is better than no opening. The way I look at it, I yeah. think I think Florida went a little overboard a little bit here with what we did. I mean, I don't know if people know that. Like three months ago, we like opened, opened, Every, like yeah. same, like everything was at fifty percent capacity. And and I remember like not even kidding that weekend. Everyone I know was out that weekend. Everyone I know, cl- every club was packed. Every bar was packed. Like it was. And then sure enough, like the cases went like 14,000 yeah. like the next week and um, and it was bad. And then we had to reclose again. And so it's like, you know, like they do those soft openings. It's better that way because at least then it's yeah. like you're slowly getting open. You're, some people might still get exposed, but it's less and less. And then the next thing you know, everything can be open and it's better that way. Like I think I would – we'll see. It's only been a week. We'll see if our cases go up. But I feel like yeah. we, had a, we had our big spike that first time we opened. So we might be okay, but who knows? It was, <laughs> it was interesting too because it's like Denver began reopening in like May. And, and it was very like they didn't announce it. Businesses just started opening. And you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like open. It was just kind of like, hey, we're, we're open. You know? Like oh, people that's were so different kinda, than here. Oh my Dude, god. Well, Denver, Here, Colorado like has been like hey, we'll I'd be say, open. <laughs> like, I'd say Colorado has been pretty compliant with a lot of this stuff. Like pretty early on, they were like stay at home order, lockdown, you know, there's like a mask mandate. They pretty early on they were like yeah, let's take this seriously. And like our case numbers were really low for like comparatively to other places for a long oh, time. Yeah. And um they they did like the soft opening and and things were good. It wasn't until that like summer spike that like cases really kind of like started spiking. And I attribute that to like people from Texas and Arizona coming to visit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not no it's, no it's no offense problem. to them. No, but, you might be right. It's true. It's totally possible. But there were there's like I definitely saw a lot of Arizona license plates. Like you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. And again, I don't know if that's officially what caused it. I'm just you know pulling things out of my ass so you know (laughs) but um but yeah like yeah denver's in this like i think the soft opening is the way to go um i think like the limited capacity adaptive business model is like the way to do it um 
I don't know. It's just uh, venues are closing, man. There's this venue, this really famous venue in Washington, D.C. that just closed down called U Street Music Hall. They, they're done. Um, there's this uh, venue in Fort Collins, Colorado called Hody's. They're, they're closed down. Um, I saw like a famous venue in like Pittsburgh closed down. Like things are closing, um, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, like, how are you going to pay rent on a, like, I don't know what a rent is on a place like that. Probably like $10,000 or something like that. But it's like, how are you going to pay rent on a place like that when you don't have any business, you know? Like I could understand if it was for like a month or two, but this has been going on for like seven months, you know? And it's sad, but it's like, you know, what are, what are we going to do? Yeah. I think- and, and, and it's weird. Cause like, it seems like there's no clear cut solution. Like we were saying on either side, it just seems like one side wants to keep it closed longer. One side wants to let it open. And, business owners are kind of stuck in the middle saying like, Hey, we're, we're drowning over here. Like at least give us another stimulus check if or something. If you know, this is to continue because we're, we're barely afloat now. We really don't have much longer to hang on. And it's, it's unfortunate that I, I, I think we're going to see a lot more places like that venues and restaurants and stuff like that close. It's very unfortunate. And yeah. I, you know, I, mean, I can't imagine being like a business owner who maybe opened up their say opened up something in january and this hit and then then everything's stuck like it's uh my heart goes out to them because it's like that's just rough just poor horrible timing and yeah there's this there's this venue um in in denver it's called mission ballroom and um i think it opened last year may have opened 2018 but i'm pretty sure it opened last year and um it's a beautiful venue. It's, it's, it's huge and it's, it's really nice. And, uh, it smells like a new building in there. It's, which is interesting because it doesn't have that like skunky beer smell <laughs> that like a lot of venues have. Um, it smells like a fresh office building, which is like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just noticed that. I was like, huh, it smells, smells nice in here, but Give it a year or two. <laughs> yeah, that, that place I am, I imagine you it's going to be very difficult to keep a place like that going without income. But I think it's owned by like Live Nation or something like that, so they'll they'll probably be fine. Yeah, they Live got Nation's they got some like money a, in the bank. I think they got. Did they get any bailout or anything like that? I don't know. Probably not. They don't care about uh, the the government doesn't care about the arts. Everybody takes art for granted. Everybody's like, because because there's this stigma that it's like, oh, you should love art, so it's like you know not work. But it's like, and and people just like kind of take it for granted and are like spoiled. Um. You know, with like, it's like musicians, it's like people don't want to pay for music anymore. And it's like, I have like a, my roommate, she's a graphic artist and um, people are always like, you know, she, she charges like, you know, a lot of money for her work because she does, you know, she takes pride in her work and she does a good job. But people are like, oh, I can only afford like $100 or something like that. And it's like, movies are, are not being shot right now. Like movies are drying up. Um, Regal Cinemas just closed down all of their movies because James Bond, the new James Bond movie got delayed. So they're like, it's, we can't, we, movies are drying up. Like they're not making entertainment and, and like the entertainment industries, they just don't care about it because it's like not deemed to be essential, but it's like, what happens when all the, the movies dry up and all the concert venues, like, you know, go out of business? Like what, what, you know what I mean? Like they just take mm-hmm. it for, for granted. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's and, interesting that you're right. I mean, it, it, it is something that, Let's, for instance, let's just take music festivals and, and music you know, venues like you're saying. It's like we were so accustomed for years on years to just go every Friday, you know, go on a Friday, go on a weekend and, and not even think twice that it would never happen. And then now here we are and 
you see the tweets probably every day of like, oh, I just want a festival. I just want to be where live music is. And that's why like, you know, those drive-ins are being so successful right now and live streams are being so successful now. It, it's, it's really, it's sad to see that those things go. And I think they'll make it, make it back eventually. But I also it think it's, it's so cool to see the adaptation of like what people are trying to do to keep it going and keep those arts kind of alive as, you know, yeah. as best they can. Obviously, some arts are very much harder to do right now than others. Luckily, with the music industry, you got drive-ins, you got live streams. At least in some states, venues are coming open, open again. And, you know, that's, I think that'll kind of roll into the next year as things start slowly opening. And I also saw um, in Myrtle Beach, they're doing this thing called a, a, a vertical show where I, I believe it's, um, it's, it's a show where it's done in like a hotel where you like get a room and you watch the show from your balcony. That's sick. I like that. And, and I think like, yeah, there's like a, a stage, you know, like in a parking lot or something like that. But yeah, you're, you're in a balcony. And I think it's like you can't really like go into each other's rooms or something like that. I don't know. There's some kind of protocol. But um, that's pretty yeah, sick. You like, I think that'd be cool to see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, good, a good um, some friends of mine from uh, like the D.C. Baltimore area are, are uh helping put it on. I think this, there, there's this producer named Choppy Oppie. Um, I think he's helped. I don't know, know exactly what his involvement is, um, but he is, I believe, helping to put this event together. Um, and I think it's going to happen this month. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to kind of like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's all going to come back. It's just like when, you know what I mean? And it's not going to just come back right away. It's going to be like, Let's do seventy five percent capacity, but still wear masks. Let's like, yeah, or maybe let's do twenty fifty percent capacity, but like no masks. It's not just going to be like, let's just cram three hundred people into this small building, you know? Yeah, it's not I, coming back for I, a while. I think we're at twenty five percent capacity here now. I could tell you, like I said, the first time when Florida opened, because um, I'll be honest, I went to well, I went to one of the club. I went to the EDM club because I was like, I want yeah. I want live music. I want I just mm-hmm. I just wanted it. And I didn't think of the consequences. I was like, I want it. But I can tell you, they said it was at 50% capacity. It did not feel like 50% capacity. I remember looking did around you, and going, did, oh my God, it's packed. Like, yeah, like it's a, packed. This is way more than 50%. Yeah, there's this, there's this one uh, producer. Um, he, he, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say his name, um, but he uh, played a show, um, I think in, where's Guilt Nightclub? Is that in Orlando? It is in Orlando. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he played a show. It was back in like June, and um, <laughs> packed. Bro. He like he he was like the guinea pig because he was like one of the first DJs after the lockdown to like play a show, and like he flew there and um, he like streamed it on on uh, IG on Instagram Live, and um, he was getting a lot of criticism for it. A lot, like people were like, "How dare you? You're endangering people," and and. You know, so he he took it down. Like he took down like the post, the flyer for it. He took down the live, the like. Cause I think he archived the stream or something like that. He took mm-hmm. that down. He took down all posts. Cause he said people were sending him like death threats because they were just so pissed. They were like, "This is so reckless and irresponsible." And um and and the way it looked in the video, it looked packed. He he claims it was not packed. It's just kind of like how the club looks. The club. But, I, I can um, vouch a little bit for that. Guilt is a very weird setup and yeah. it is a very uh, it, it's a kind of smaller club there's an upstairs 
and then there's the downstairs and it looks very small and then the and then the downstairs is only like the dance floor and then there's the bar area and then there's mm-hmm. the upstairs and there's a side room and the main room is small compared to most clubs uh, yeah. especially EDM wise it's it's definitely smaller than most so it I'll be honest yeah I've been there when it's I've been there when it was open prior to COVID and it gets packed quick like it's not like it's crazy like it sells out quick if there's a big name because it is such a smaller venue um it, it definitely yeah i could see where people think it's like it would look super super packed when it even it might not be just because it's just small yeah it just is small not for vouching me, but, like, but yeah <laughs> for me i'm just kind of like i'm cool if other people want to do shows like especially the drive-in shows i want to do a drive-in show um I might start dipping my toes back into like shows soon. I don't know. Um, kind of still on the fence about it, but uh, you, you know, know. I, I, if anything, it would just be for fun. I wouldn't really like talk about it, you know, on like social media or anything, but yeah. And to me, me personally, I'm like to each his own type of thing. Cause you know, it's the same argument and, and dilemma we're talking about is like sometimes there are certain artists that don't necessarily need a tour and don't need to go to shows and they don't need the money or whatever, you know, whatever the case is. And there's others that desperately need it. You know, they're, 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 yeah. they're, they're, I have to start making money somehow. or I'm not going to be able to pay rent or, and, or my day job is not helping me enough, whatever it might be, or, you know, whatever it is. And I, I, it's, it's tough. It's such a weird and difficult decision to make, but I always, at the end of the day, it's like people who one, there's going to be half the people that want to go and half the people that don't, you know, shouldn't be a show. So let those people who want to go, go and they run the risk. And, um, I get it. I mean, I can say at the beginning of the pandemic, my view was completely different. I, I firmly was like, Nope, we need to shut everything down. Everyone needs to wear a mask. Like we need to just like, let's all team together. Let's get it going. Let's get it moving. And I think we should all still wear masks and everything. But mm-hmm. at this point, I don't know what to even think. So I'm like, well, just let people do what they want to do. Like, just let it yeah, just, yeah. Like, make everyone wear a mask and then let people decide for themselves. Because I don't know. I'll be honest with you, Florida here, I felt like the state, I mean, I worked during the pandemic, so I really didn't feel like anything changed. <laughs> like, what do you do? I, I, my, I do this and then I do the, I have a market, marketing and sales job with a company and nice. um, they were considered essential. So I got lucky, very, I mean, lucky, however you want to look at it. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. I was still working, but I was also working during the pandemic. So it's like... Did you did you have to like go into the office or were you like working from home? Um, We have like a territory that we have. So I was working, I was going to the normal territory I would go to and do what gotcha. I had to do every day. I was one of the few people, I will say that, I wore a mask probably like month into everything before yeah. they, before they even said it was needed i remember i actually literally remember some of my friends being like why are you wearing a mask like what no one's saying you have to no one's even telling you to like why are you wearing it and i was like I, you know what i don't and then sure enough a month later our whole work was like hey you have to wear a mask like everyone has to wear one and i did that because yeah. i had at the time i had people i was in contact with that were very high risk and i was like i, I would feel horrible knowing I have to work full time and I'm going home to them and I'm seeing them, I would get back and possibly give it to one of them. And and, yeah. I, and at the time it wasn't even crazy yet here in Florida or even the States in general, it just wasn't crazy yet. But, um, I just, I just had a mask from day one. I, and I, to me, the whole mask argument, I don't, I don't understand why people won't wear it. I just does. It just bothers me. Cause I'm like, well, I did it for a month and a half before anybody else did it. 
And then yeah. literally by the end of the first week, I'll even be nice and say at a week and a half of wearing it, I was just like, it was just there. It was a custom. And I, when I tell you yeah. I wore a mask, I wore like the only ones I could get at the time were those big N90, like the big ones. I'm talking like, I looked oh, like dude, ridiculous I, and it would cut into my nose. Dude, and I got would... some of those too. I, um, I bought like a pack oh. of, uh, like the N95s with like the valve. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the kind, it had like a dude like mowing his lawn, like on the, on the cover. Yeah. I bought my, I bought a pack. Too. I bought a pack of those. Yeah. And I just bought... like you, um, cause, cause like my, my day job, I was telling you before we started, so I work for a TV show um, called Daily Blast Live, and um, it's like a daytime news talk show. And um, shout out, it's a they produce it out here in Denver, Colorado. And before the, I, I would go into like the TV studio every day because um, I'm like kind of like a technical production assistant. And um, once the pandemic started, they made like I'd say like. N- I'd say like 80% of the staff um, work from home. Mm-hmm. And then they kept like only the people that had to be in the TV studio, like the guys in the control room and like um, like a camera guy and uh, the talent. Um, they were like the only ones that could go to the studio. And uh, for me, I kind of have like a hybrid position where um, one of my jobs I can do from home. So I wor- I've been working from home for a lot of this. And uh, the other job that I have to do, the, like at the tech control room stuff, um, I have to go into the studio. And um, I started, yeah, like you, I started wearing a mask like pretty early on because there's like people in that building who are like in their 50s. And I'm like, and not to mention too, I'm like, I don't know where you guys been. Like, I don't know what's going yeah. on. So, but um, but yeah, like, so that's kind of and, and interesting what you were saying about artists. I'm lucky that I have a day job and because like, it's like a news media job. Um, it's deemed to be essential. So, and we figured out a way, they figured out a way to like keep it going. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like um, a double-edged sword with it. It's like, you're like, yes. And then, Oh, like, I yeah, have to exactly. work now. <laughs> so, and it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's, so I've been working this whole time and that's been my day job. That's actually kind of why I moved out to Denver, Colorado oh, okay. is um, one of my uh, friends and current roommates used to work there and there was like a production assistant position open and sure enough they were interested in it because I have like production experience um, being like a stagehand um, doing like setting up stuff for concert venues which I was actually doing um, prior to the pandemic I was like getting back in the stagehand and fun fact I actually was a stagehand for an excision event um, in March and uh, it was part of his evolution tour no way and, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I did like, uh, I helped, um, with the loadout and I helped, uh, take down all of his massive lighting rigs. <laughs> so how was that, that was process? Crazy. How much work goes into it, that stage? Now that we're on the topic, not to dude, drift too far, but no, it's dude, it's, 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 it's insane. It's pure insanity. Um, we got the load in done, I'd say in like four hours, four or five hours, um generally they don't want to keep the load ins um the load ins so there's a load in and a load out and each shift is kind of like four hours and anything that goes past that is overtime nice. and it's like a four hour minimum so let's say you get your load in and load out done in like an hour you still get paid for four hours All right. um <laughs> and because they don't really want it to go past four hours because it would be overtime at that point you know what i mean um but man, that was a lot of work. 
<laughs> a lot of hard, exhausting work. So, so when you say um, that you're putting, like you're literally making the stage, the X stage, and having yeah. to uh, mm-hmm. rig it all up and mm-hmm. and then get all the lighting situated, doing all the mm-hmm. tests, um, all the lasers. So I didn't do, I didn't do the tests. They, that's their. Uh, well, that's, they have like a touring crew. My bad. Yes, um, of, course, they have, of course. They have like a lighting director, a, a video director, a sound guy. Um, I just helped with like I was assigned to the lighting crew, so we had to like take each light out individually, like unscrew it and like get it into like a road case safely, wrap up the cables, and they want you to do it like kind of quickly, <laughs> you know, like because they want to get out of there. They don't want this like. It's just, it's just, a, it's a massive production. It's insane. So he's, and this is maybe me dumb asking, but he's bringing all that with him. Is that, am I yeah. wrong or right? Okay. It's not the venue that has it and he's no. picking select venues. So he's picking venues that can hold what he's bringing. And then he's yeah, bringing so, it all in there, supplying with the stage hands and stuff like that to get everything rolling mm-hmm. with his, to work with his team to get it up. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that, so. The show, it was in a convention center where this show That's was. Wild. And I didn't actually get to see the show. Um, I'm, I'm like, j- I'm jaded. I like, I've been doing this EDM stuff for 10 years. I'm 29. Um, and uh, I started producing music when I was like 19 in 2010. It's so like when I started to go to shows and I started producing music. Um, a couple of my really good friends saw me how to produce music. Um, and I've just been going hard with it ever since. So, but I've been to so many shows and so many events and I've played a ton of shows. Um, so I, the fact that we didn't have shows this year, I was kind of like, maybe, it, maybe it's, it's good to take a break. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, it sucks for all the, everyone out of work, Yeah. you know, yeah. but for me personally, it, it's kind of been nice to take a step back from all of that. And I've been saving a lot of money. That's, that that's for is sure. a huge positive. I will admit yeah. that I, I've been saving I've saved up a ton of money. I feel great. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, like, like now I feel like very secure. Like, all right. Me too. Life can throw something at me. I'm, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Like, exactly. I'll be good. And, and then it also gets me excited for when this ends. Because I don't want to, I mean, obviously I'm not going to blow it all. But like when it ends, I, I can go take that vacation. I can go to that right. festival. And not only can I do all that, I don't have to worry about going. Like, I don't have to be like, oh my God, if I go this week, am I going to be struggling, you know, the next week or something like that. And I'm pretty good with money, and I don't ever really, I don't ever go with something unless I can plan it out, so I don't same, have to worry here. about. So I don't have to worry about my money. But like now, I really don't have to worry about it. Like now, I'm like, fuck, like, let's go. Like someone could be like, hey, you want to go to this? I'd be like, let's do it. Like I have no, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 such a nice feeling, at least to me. And I don't know. I, again, everyone lives their life differently, but I know me personally, having that cushion of money like there whenever you know with whatever you're wanting to do you want to switch careers you want to go on a trip you want to take a month off whatever i don't know but having that cushion of money just makes it so much easier like it just makes yeah. there's like a lot less stress involved or you're, you know you're worried about your car breaking down or your apartment needs a fix or your house needs a fix like it's just like you have that cushion of money you're just chilling like it's like nothing can I bother you i agree with you man like nothing can like, bother you i got i i've saved up like the most money I've ever saved in my life. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm probably looking on getting a new computer by the end of the year, like, uh, like a new music production computer. I, I also kind of want to get back into gaming, but I'm like kind of scared to, because <laughs> I don't want it to like consume you. Yeah. Right now I don't, I don't play any games. Tell and me about it. Whenever I have, I, I used to live with my roommate 
um, my old roommate in Baltimore, he had uh, a gaming PC and an Xbox, and I was just like playing tons of games, and I'm just like, God, it's just the urge to just get it, into that. It's so strong, you I, know. I'm with you there because it full on consumes consumes me. So like, I was um, when I was in college. My, I hadn't played since high school. I hadn't played for the first three years of college. I just, just didn't do it. I was like, I'm just not going to do it. I didn't, pay, I didn't buy anything, nothing. This one kid moves in with it, brought his Xbox, the new Xbox One or whatever, and we were playing. And he's playing this game, Apex Legends. And I'm like, okay. Oh, right. yes. And I'm watching him play, and I'm like, it's a dope game. I'm like, you care if I get a, get a, get a try here? He's like, yeah, man, go for it. Oh, my God, I was hooked. The second, like the second, I, I first off, this is all I'm going to say is I won my first game ever in Apex. I was the champion. The first game I've oh, yeah. ever played. So I felt pretty great about that. And then I just was, I would play all the time. I'd get home from class. I'd play for three hours. I'd go, they would yeah. go, to, what's funny is like they would go to bed and I would stay up an extra two hours and play and just be like, just like going at it. And then I was like, I got to stop this. And I, and I went home for the summer. And I was like, okay, whew, I get a little detox. Then my friend um, they all have PS4s back home, and I'm like back home, and he's like, "Hey, you know, um, I have an extra PS4. Like, I can't, I don't need it. It's broke. Uh, I just can't. You can't use the disc, but you can download games if you want it." And I was like, "Sure." And I took it, and the same thing happened. I was just going crazy, and now I left yeah. it. I've moved, and I left it at home. I just left it at home. I was like, "I do not need this here. I don't want anything yeah. to do with it." Like, it, it, it full on consumes me. I get into it. It takes up too much yeah. time. Too much time. I can do other stuff. Yeah, with. man. I was the same way uh, when I when I moved in with my old roommate Delta Nine um, in Baltimore. He had like a gaming PC, and I was really into this game Battlefield One. Yeah. And uh, I was oh. into Overwatch for a little bit, but I was like big into Battlefield. Um, so yeah, I would like wake up, play it like a little bit before work, like get home, play it a little bit, and I was just like, I could be working on music. You know, it, it wasn't mm -hmm. like it wasn't like terrible. Like I still I still got music done, but like I'm just I just try to stay focused on music as much as I can. Um, on, and honestly, too, sometimes I force myself to make music. I know that's not a popular opinion, but sometimes you got to force it. Sometimes you just got it. Real artists sit down and get work done when they don't feel like it. And um, I'm not saying to always do that. Like definitely give yourself breaks, but there's been so many times where I've been like, I don't feel like working on music, but I should. And then I do it and I get into it and I'm like, and, and like an hour or two passed and I'm just like, oh my God, I just made something and I wasn't thinking about it, you know? And I totally didn't feel like it, but it's like, I see, see so many people that are like, I can't work on music. I don't feel inspired. And you know, they, and they just don't get anything done. And they're like, why don't I get anything done? And I'm like, you got to force it. Like just sit down and make something, you know? So, so that's kind of like with, with, with the video games. And even when I, if I find a TV show I really like, I still find time to work on music because I just try it. Yeah, I, I want to cut you off right there because go back to that um, on the making music part and like when it's hard and when you don't want to. Like that's like, it's a very, it's like the adversity aspect of it. Like you, you've, you've got to be able to, to make it. You've got to go through that adversity of like, I might not want to do this. Like th there's been times where I don't want to do a podcast. Like I don't want to come to my studio and do an hour and a half podcast and then edit it and blah blah blah. Like I don't I don't want to do all that. But like that's what separates you from people that really want. Like you might really want it, and someone else might really want it. But then, you know, when t things start getting hard and harder to do, and you're going through a little rough patch maybe in life, or you just don't want to do it, like that's when the adversity kicks in and separates you from somebody who's like, 
oh, I only want to do it when I feel great. You know, like that's what separates, like you're saying, like that's what separates like the really great artists from those who maybe aren't. It's because like there are going to be times where you don't want to do it, but you got that determination and you've got, you're facing that adversity to just push through and go, this is what I want. And I'm doing it even though I don't want to do it. I'm doing it because I like, I, I want it for me later type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's another thing too. Like, um, it's like, it's, it's just, it's just keeping the, it's a grind. Like, it's just not all fun all the time. Like, even if you have a dream job, it's just not all fun all the time. And, um, also too, on the flip side of that, it is important to take breaks. It's, it's a balance. It's, it's a balance. You know, for me, what I usually do is that I'll go hard on music for like two weeks and then I'll kind of take like a week off. And when I mean a week off, I'm still like working on stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, like I'm still working on tracks and, and projects and stuff, but I'm not like hyper focused on something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, I, I feel like there's this kind of toxic mindset in the EDM producer kind of community where everybody thinks they need to be in the studio 10 hours a day, every single day, all the time, or, or else you're not going to make it. And I mean like that, that, Obviously, if you're in the studio all the time, 10 hours a day, you know, you are probably going to make it faster than somebody who, you know, only does it like once a week or something like that. But I feel like you don't have to do that in order to succeed. Like there's many ways for success. And sometimes, like I was mentioning, going at your own pace is the best way to success. And... Also, like people have lives outside of music. Like I have a day job. I have I have a part time job. I you know have a girlfriend. I have friends. Like I try to exercise when I can. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I think it's I, I, I think what you're hitting on in is that it's important to do it the way you want to do it. Exactly. There, you know, somebody might want to do it ten hours a day, and that that's what fuels them. They get happy when they do ten hours a day. But then I might want to do five hours a day and then I want to go home and chill the other five, you know, and yeah, like just exactly. unwind and that might make me happy. And both are like different paths to the same success. There's no like what there's no like set in stone way of doing anything. And it's so important for people to realize that because I think you're right. I think a lot of people get caught. I used to get caught up in that. Of like I have to work, work, work. Like I, this is 24 seven. If I don't do this 24 seven, I don't love it. And, and, that might work for some people and other people like I've found with me is I go hard four days. I go hard four days a week, Monday through Thursday. It's work and I come home, I go to the studio or I go to the gym and that's it. And I, that's it. And then on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm unwinding. I might go out with a yeah. friends. I might, I might sleep all day. I might just go to the beach, like whatever. I'm just unwinding those three days. I'm not doing it. Now I'm making an exception here and there. Of course, sometimes you got it, you know, every once in a while, but like, it, that's the thing is what exactly what you're saying is like it, there's no one set in stone way of doing something and i think it's ridiculous to to view it that way and to tell people they have to do it this and that way it's, it's exactly yeah. and 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 i think like i think that's what i've discovered um because i used to feel guilty and i still kind of do where it's like if i'm not like in the studio working on music whenever I have a spare moment, then I'm not doing it right. But, and I see like, you know, the online motivational speakers, they're just like in the studio, been in here 10 hours. Like I'm grinding, like I'm making it happen. You know, what are you doing? 
like you're wasting time. You better get in the studio or it's like just because you're off work doesn't mean you can slack off like better get your ass in the studio. And it's just like that's so toxic. Like I think, you know, I agree. I agree. I think their message at first is like it's great. I, I can tell you at first when I first heard that stuff. It did get me kind of lit a fire under my ass. Like I need to start doing this more. But sure, then, yeah. but then you're absolutely right that it's like you get to a point where you're either going to get burnt out, or you know other things in life are going to just fall apart, whatever it might be. And then you're going to have that realization of like, holy crap, I can't do it all the time because it's now it's messing with everything. And it's it's that's something that I know on here I like to preach now is like is definitely you know like the whole podcast stands for is living yourself for every day do that like do what makes you happy if you want to work 10 hours a day do it if you want to work five and then you can be just as productive in five and then unwind but it makes you happier do it like whatever it is that's making you happy and you're succeeding do it you know don't just like kill yourself because you want to succeed so bad exactly. and there's nothing wrong with that like, i don't think there is because i think hard work and all that eventually leads to something but like yeah there is a level of like you could just be like dead from just overworking yourself <laughs> real real quick i was looking at your uh babs life graphic that you have there with the optical illusion thing and i thought that was like part of my shirt for a second <laughs> I was it's like, like right there on the shoulder you're like holy shit yeah exactly on my shoulder <laughs> exactly i was like That's a, i wore that today That's cool um but yeah like i i think you get it um i just hate it when people guilt trip producers into like feeling like you need to constantly be working and slaving away at music. And I've seen people that do that. Like I've had friends that like go hard, like they do like multiple all nighters and they like crank out some amazing tracks, but then they're like burnt out for like a month, you know? Yeah. It's like, and again, they might be, that's another way of looking at it. They might want to do three, four weeks of grinding and then three, four weeks off. Like there's like, that's exactly what we're saying is like, there's no, set in stone way of doing it you just gotta yeah. do it the way you want to do it and, and it's gonna work out like it will because especially because you love it when especially when you love it you're like you're way, you're way more inclined to do it more because you love it in a sense you exactly know? for me i like to do i like to be st- steady and deliberate i don't like to do the like go super hard i like to kind of just consistently be working on something you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. like a couple hours here maybe like you know a little bit tomorrow, maybe like let's go hard tonight and work for like several hours. Like, you know, yeah. I like to kind of keep it steady. I always like to kind of just be like working. Um, That's interesting. I like that though. I mean, I don't know if me personally, I get way I get organ disorganized very easily. Like I'm like, yeah. I, I if I was doing that, I would probably lose so much stuff. That's just me personally. Like I can't like do one thing for a little bit and then be like, oh, I'm going to switch and like go work on something else and blah, blah, blah. I just can't do it. Like I'm more of like a me. I have horrible ADD. That's why I can do that. And that's, I have yeah. horrible attention span. And see what's cool about that though is like, you know, you have it and you're kind of using that to your advantage. Like you're like, all right, mm-hmm. I can't focus on one thing for 10 hours. So I'm going to focus on it for two and then might go focus on something else for two and then I'll come back to it for two. Like, and that keeps you in the program and moving. And like me, I'm more task oriented. I'm like, okay, I would, you know, I'll write down like I want to get this, this, and this done. I'm gonna do those things and get them done, and then I'll be done, and then I'll be done. And then when I'm done, it's I'm off, shut off. You know, like I said, I want to go hard four days, so I go hard Monday, Wednesday, Monday through Thursday. Friday comes around, Friday three thirty, done, shutting it off. Like I might do social media stuff, that's about it. And and 
but yeah, everyone's got their, and that's the other thing we should say is like, everyone does have that unique way of doing their tasks and, you know, whether it's studying for an exam, working on extra projects, doing a side hustle, like everyone can, can do it their kind of own way. And it's important to find out what habits work for you in order to get your tasks done because you can use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I kind of don't like, it's, it's weird. Like I kind of don't like that. Um, I'm so ADD. It definitely has advantages cause I can, I can juggle a lot of projects mm-hmm. and I was actually thinking about this, like while you were talking about this, um, I feel like at the T so at the TV show that I work at, one of the things that I do, uh, so were several of the jobs that I do there is that I do a lot of control room and tech stuff. And, um, there's two positions that I do sometimes. Um, one, I cover the audio guy cause, cause when I was working there, you know, after my first year, they were like, yeah, you're crushing it. Like we want to move you up and get you involved in some more serious stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, and I saw, you know, they have an audio guy there. Like TV shows have like an audio guy, you know, there's yeah. like a sound guy that, um, you know, whose job it is, is to like, you know, mix the show. And, um, you know, where they're, they're in charge of like mics and cutting off mics and making sure video packages have audio and doing sound show music and kind of like fading things out when they're supposed to be. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of stuff to like keep track of. And it's a lot of really important stuff to keep track of. And it's stuff that is all equally important. And I think my ADD sort of allows me to kind of like go back and forth between all this stuff. And you know what I mean? Um, and, and, but it's also funny cause you also have to be really focused too. So it's like this weird, like, I don't know, it's weird. And then there's another position where it's like a video playback position, um, where in addition to doing that, you're doing video playback, you're doing like, um, graphics, you're, you're doing, uh, robo cameras, like adjusting robo cam positions. Mm-hmm. And you're also doing lights as Dude, well. That's such a cool, like job and area of work for me we're gonna have to do a separate podcast where we just talk yeah. about that line of work and what you do because that's so cool to me like and, that whole and then i then i also did the teleprompter for a while i still do that um teleprompter is pretty easy you just kind of like turn a knob and it like moves the script yeah, it's exactly faster. like anchorman right it's like it goes faster like or slower type of thing yeah yeah and you can like edit the script i don't edit the script because i would you know get in big trouble for that um but uh yeah, so I mean, it, if TV's cool, I, it's it's definitely a cool job, and I'm grateful that um, I still have a job, and that like, you know, through all this craziness, I just love um, the behind the scenes aspect of stuff. Like to me, what's so cool is like, because most people are looking at the TV, and they just look at the TV, they just watch it, and they watch it mindlessly, and they're like, it's here, it's there. But like me, I like to look at it and go, what's going on on the other side of that? Like, I want to know. What's the lighting behind it? What's the production? How many times did it take to get that, you know, right, that line right, the lighting, blah, 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 whatever else there might be involved? Cause I don't even know what's involved. I'm like, I want to know more. Like, I want to know what's behind it and talk to people that are involved with it and, like, see how the mechanics of it work to where we see the final picture. Like, it's, to me, that's what I want to get into and, like, tell people yeah. about and let people learn about and stuff like that. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of moving pieces. Um, we're definitely going to have to it, do one where you talk about it. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, we're definitely going to have to do a podcast now where I have you on and we do this like in depth, like no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know it's interesting. Cause like, I don't have any television experience at all. Like I have, I had zero. I mean, I do now. Um, I have two years of it. Um, but 
before that I had zero TV experience. Um, I, I had like, you know, stage hand production experience. Um, and I do music and, and DJing. And honestly, I think like the fact that I DJ legitimately kind of like made them be like, John might be good at these like positions. Cause it's a lot of like pressing buttons at the right time, making sure things roll on time, like keeping track of tons of different stuff. Like <laughs> they were like, he presses stuff buttons. live and on the fly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. they're like, this actually might be a useful, a transferable skill, if you will. Yeah. I'll put that on my LinkedIn profile. He presses, he presses buttons. We'll put him on the button pressing stuff. Exactly. Exactly. He's like, he's good at pressing buttons. They figured out I'm good at pressing buttons, but it's like, it's like extreme button pressing. So, um, but yeah, like it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's fun. It's a cool job. Um, it's stressful as hell though. Stressful as hell. I could see that. I could see that like where it's just constantly go, go, go. Like you're going to, yeah. when the time well, is like, right, it's like calm and then it's just boom. Like it's just go. Well, right, right if, you make a mis- if you make a mistake, it's reflected on live television. Okay. That's true. So that's true. That, that's, that's true. <laughs> well, it's, it's also like, and it, if you make a mistake, it might trickle down and make other cause other people's to make mistakes you know so mm, okay okay i see yeah definitely definitely we're gonna talk about it more definitely we're yeah yeah it's it's a whole <laughs> thing i've it's yeah we can we can we it's, it's a whole whole realm it's it's something that i didn't know that i'd be like into that i sort of discovered um it's interesting so we can talk about that yeah. um dude absolutely i want to hit you with thing. some questions here um yeah what's about up? your dj and all that well starters like how did you get started and how did you get into DJ, I know you said it was when you were 19, you saw some shows, but like, was there a moment where you were like, I want to do this, I want to start doing this more? Well, so I actually started producing first. Um, I started making music first, and I made music for about maybe like two years or so before I got into DJing. Okay. Um, And like, I didn't really get into DJing. Um, So... I produced music on Ableton Live for about two years, and then I was like, I want to start playing shows. And I learned how to DJ from um, this Ableton Live controller called an APC40, which is basically a bunch of pads with a bunch of buttons, because you can actually DJ with Ableton. Um, you can make music with it, and you can DJ with it. Um, but I wasn't really like, I'm going to be 100 with you, and this might get me in trouble, but when I first started producing music, I kind of looked down on DJing, I thought it was like kind of dumb and was like, this is easy. Anybody can do this. Nobody can make a track. Like making a track is like requires actual art and like artistic knowledge and hard work. And there's so many elements to it. And it's like a craft and a grind. It's like DJing, you know, you can learn that in like an hour and play a show. I was very wrong. That's not true. Um, DJing is, is, I still, I still think that DJing it's, it's, it's easy. It's, it's, I want to say it's easy to learn, but it's hard to master if that makes sense. Like if to be a really good DJ, I've learned that there's a lot that goes into it. Um, it, it, and, and a lot of it's like track selection and, and I, and I actually really enjoy DJing now. I'm actually dying to get back on some CDJs. Like I actually thoroughly enjoy DJing and have now grown a great appreciation and respect for it. Um, and, and especially in the context of like being a producer, it's like I play my own, like how I perform as DJing and, and like 
fitting my own tracks in with my, you know, favorite tracks that I like from other people. You know, it's really, it's a lot of fun and, and creating a set and kind of like, you know, going off the cuff and, and kind of reading a crowd and kind of adjusting to that. Like, you know, I think all that stuff is great. But in the very beginning, I looked down on DJ. So I didn't really learn it until two years into my music production journey. And I didn't take it seriously hmm. until... Uh, so I, I started playing shows and learning it in 2012. I started producing 2010. I didn't really start taking DJing seriously until 2016. When I mean really taking it seriously, I mean like formatting my set. I was still DJing on Ableton, but um, I like, you know, formatted my sets and I became more conscious of DJ elements. And I really tried to work on my timing and things like that and reading a crowd. I actually learned how to use CDJs in 2018. Um, so now I use CDJs and, uh, you know, CDJ-esque, uh, MIDI controllers. I, I use this one MIDI controller for when I do, uh, live streams that replicate CDJs. Um, but, and I much prefer using those now. And I think my sets have gotten a lot better, um, since I learned how to use CDJs. Um, but like, like I said, I, I, I still kind of see myself more as like a music producer, um, and the DJing to me mm -hmm. is like a means to an ends for the performance of my live music. Right, right. Of course. I mean, that's the way the, you got to do the shows and stuff like that. I don't think your way of looking at that is. I think a lot of people looked at DJing like that when they first possibly get into it, or even when they first start like listening to like EDM. I mean, I have friends that are like, "It's just pressing buttons, bro." And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Like, yeah. you know, I think that's a very common way of looking at it. I don't think it just is. And then when you get educated on it, you're like, "Okay, there's a lot more. Like, there's way more than I thought." So well, it's it's like, like when you get up there and start doing it, and you and you fuck up a lot, and people leave your your you know, I mean, leave the dance floor. That's the hard way of learning it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you're you're like, oh shit, there's a lot more that goes into it than I thought. You know what I mean? Or when you get the promoter, when they were like, hey, dude, maybe work on your mixing a little bit, like, you know. Yeah, I mean that's 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 when it hits you right and smack in the face, you know. But I mean, there are a lot of people I think viewed it that way at first, and then like I say, as they get more educated with it, they go. Okay, there's a lot harder and there's a lot more to it than I thought. Um, exactly. But yeah, I could. I think I don't think you're alone in that way of thinking. To be honest with you, um, so how did you come up with the name Prismatic? I'm curious. Literally, it just sounded cool. There's really no, no like. There's no like meaning. click. There was no. No one said like Prism, and you were like Prismatic. Am well, I Prismatic. Like. <laughs> well, so there is kind of a story. Um, there's always so when a I story. first Let's started producing music, I called myself Distant. Cause I was like, it was like, I started, I was like, oh, it sounds kind of dark and, and mysterious. And then, um, I met a kid whose name was distant, but with two T's, he made like kind of like progressive house and dubstep. And he was really, really, really good. I don't know if he's still active. He, I think he may be active under another alias now. I don't remember what it was. Um, but he was really good. So I was like, shit, I got to change my name. Um, so I changed my name to prism because I just thought it sounded cool. Literally, I just thought it sounded cool. There's no hidden meaning behind it. I was like, this is cool. And then I found out about a producer who um, was Prism, but with a Y, and he was really good. And um, I wrote a song called Prismatic, and uh, I was like, I'm going to call myself Prismatic. And I, and I don't remember why I called it that. Again, I think it just sounded cool. Um, I think the name was a little more relevant though in the early stages of my career because I made, I produced um, more genres than I do now. Um, I produced like 
Glitch Hop and Electro House and, um, you know, Dubstep and Chill Music. So I thought like Prismatic was, um, I thought like Prismatic was like kind of representative of like, because it's like Prismatic is when like, you know, light, it's like an object where light hits it and it creates like a color spectrum. So I was like, this kind of makes sense because I make a lot of different kinds of music. You know what I mean? Um, But now I kind of, I made the conscious decision like in, I'd say, I want to say 2016 that I was going to go full dubstep pretty much. I still make like, like drum and bass and other things here and there, but I've been mostly focusing on dubstep since then mm-hmm. and, and bass music. And I made that decision because for branding, I wanted my branding to become more streamlined. Cause I feel like prismatic wasn't very focused. I was just kind of like, I'm going to make whatever. And the harsh reality of the music scene is that labels and fans don't like it when you make whatever they like you to have a thing they want. Here's, here's his thing. I like his thing, his or her thing. This is what I'm into. And for me, it was like, I, I'm just going to go full dubstep. Like I love dubstep. I am most passionate about it. It's what I want to make most of the time. It's what I want my brand to be known for. I want to be known as like a dubstep artist. Like I want to be known as, the a dubstep guy and whether that pigeon pigeonholes me i don't really care i wanted to have a thing because i think like when you hear when you first start making music it's like oh make whatever you want like just do whatever and it's like i think that is kind of misleading i think it's good to have some focus um even early on in your music career i think it's good to have focus and especially if you're trying to take it more seriously and be more professional i think focusing in on like a thing is very helpful um and then and then once you've kind of like built yourself up a little bit you can kind of like rock the boat a little bit and introduce something different and you know your viewers who've like gained trust in you they're a little more open to it you know what yeah I mean? it's like you you like, build off of your niche your original niche when you get that original exactly. crowd in and like okay yeah we all like dubstep then you go hey i'm doing an experimental uh ep and just there you go. I'm putting it out there. There you go. Enjoy. Like whatever it might be. And yeah. then and they get to test it out. And it's, you know, it's something new. It's house. It's trans. Exactly. It's experimental. It's, it's something different. It's wonky. Who knows? Like, and they can yeah. just judge it for themselves. And it's, I think that's important because, first off, I think true fans would understand that you want to adapt and change up a little bit. I think that's kind of just part of, and, and I get that. Everyone has that nostalgia of like, I want my artists to be what they were. I like them how they were this. Like, I, I've been guilty of that. Swear to God. Like, but then you start to admire, like, oh, they're changing. They're they're diff- they're evolving. They've got a different taste and and a different way of making this music. And you start to have a different admiration for that. You still love the old stuff. At least, again, I think that's a true fan. True fans would love the old stuff. They might want you to do a throwback set here and there, right? But at the end of the day, they're going to admire the fact that you're progressing and that you're putting out newer sounds. You're testing the waters. You're breaking through your original stuff. At least that's exactly. my view of it. Yeah, man, I think, I think it's, and, and I like, like, having a thing, because it's, like, I feel like I've found a sound, and it's, like, it's, it's kind of fun, you know, like, I like just, and it's, like, it gives me focus, like, I don't know, I, I've, I've been writing, like, drum and bass a lot, because drum and bass is kind of, like, a side music passion for mm-hmm. me, um, but, you know, and I also, like, kind of doing mid-tempo stuff, so I'm kind of dipping going getting back into like making other stuff but yeah to sum it up prismatic doesn't really have like a meaning i thought it was cool (laughs) i i feel like i probably should have changed my name when i did the um 
the, the, the rebranding, if you will, to like a heavier artist. But I was like, I've made it so far with Prismatic and I have some good collabs like to my name. I could see Prismatic keep... being cool, man. You got some cool lasers. You got some different like weird looking visuals. Like it, you could you could do a lot with it. You could do a lot. Yeah, with exactly. It. I was I'll like, and also the names, <laughs> the name's kind of ambiguous. And it's like to me, it's like I, the name isn't the important thing. It's like the, the music, you know, and, and like so. But yeah, that's kind of sum it up. There's not really a big. Meaning behind no, it. Just no meaning, like a, no reason as to why it came up. I understand. Um, kind of named it. You kind of went into it, but what is your favorite EDM genre? I know you make dubstep, and that can be your favorite, or it cannot be. So I'm curious. It's it's dubstep, man. I love dubstep. I have like an addiction to it that's been going on <laughs> for like ten years. It's it's kind of weird. Like I always just kind of there'll be sometimes where I'll get into another genre. Like for a long time, I was really into like um. It's really into like drum and bass yeah. in overdub stuff. I, I got really into like drum and bass, kind of like, you know, Noisia and stuff like that. Do you know who that is, Noisia? I'm not too familiar with Noisia. No, I'm not. They're I like a European though. drum and bass trio. <laughs> um, they do like kind of heavy sort of thing. It's like, it, it, if you listen to it, it'll, it'll explain. It's hard. I, I have such a hard time explaining what music is, but um, I was really into drum and bass for a while, overdub stuff. Um, I was really into like, kind of chill ambient stuff for a while like um do you know who burial is burial. Heard of him? Ooh. i'm trying to think of like somebody sounds familiar like i was I really mean, into like kind of chill stuff for a while um now when you say chill you mean like give me an idea like okay i'll about this i like melodic a lot and i consider melodic it might not be chill but i consider it more chill than obviously like dubstep and stuff like that so i consider it on the chiller side of edm so I'm thinking I'm saying chill in like in a weed smoking sense. Like make maybe like uh like high ghost type music, some Odessa. No, high am ghost <laughs> I wouldn't say is chill. They like do dubstep kind of stuff. Um I'm tr- I'm trying to think No, not high am ghost. I said Kygo. Yeah, that's like chiller than that. Like Ooh, okay. I'm saying like ch- chill. Like, like chill, chill. Okay. Even chiller yeah. than like see it like Mm, I don't even know. Like Do you know who Gal- Galamatius is? No, oh, I'm not familiar. I see so many artists I need to, to learn. I'm trying to think of like who's a chill artist that you might. I can give you some. So some examples of artists in this genre that I liked were um, Sorrow, Vacant, uh, Burial. Um, if you look up those guys and you hear the music, you'd be like, oh, I, I get it. I get it. Okay. What about yeah, you, you, would, you would make sense. What did you say? J-Wolf? Yeah, something right like. Do you know um who um Blackmill? Do you know who that is? I uh I know the name. I'm trying to think of it. Sorry, no. Uh, it, it's 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 just like it's like really chill. I was into like really chill stuff for a while, and mm-hmm. then um I went through like a house music, like a funky house music phase. <laughs> That's um, awesome. You're but like, around. but but I always come back to dubstep, and I would say specifically now, dubstep is like my favorite. I actually really like what's going on in dubstep right now. I mean, everything is rhythm, but I feel like I'm hearing a lot of interesting dubstep being made um, and dubstep. like interesting kind of like arrangements and patterns. And um, I think it's hot like right mal- now for sure. For sure in the what States. I said for sure in the States, it's hot right now. Like it's yeah. The, it's and the like there's thing. like the, melo- the melodic rhythm thing is, is, is interesting. I, and uh, there's like some cool stuff going on there. Um, like with the kind of Wakan stuff, there's like kind of more, more experimental dubstep that oh, I feel yeah. like is really some popping off gloves. and, and, 
I don't know. I just really like what's going on in dubstep right now. And, and like I said, I've just always, I always come back to it. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I, I listen to I it agree. all the time. I sometimes try to force myself to listen to other music. Like I really like, uh, you know, Travis Scott and things like that. And I've been kind of like getting back into some metal that I used to listen to. I found out about these guys called Clowncore. They have some like really funny videos on the internet. They do like really weird kind of like grindcore metal kind of sh- kind of shit. It's definitely not for everybody. Um, <laughs> it's definitely not for everybody. It's, it's weird shit, but man, I I like it. I don't know. It's cool. So, so, one thing I'll say is you can't ever go wrong with some classic rock. That's at least in my opinion. Yeah, can't ever go wrong Pete, with some classic rock here. Then the guy from uh, I, uh, Eddie Van Halen, I think, just passed away. I did not know that. That is sad. You didn't know that? Yeah, no, dude, he. I, he out of the news, out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, he he just passed away today um, no, from throat cancer. Rest in peace. That is sad. Rest in peace for sure. Last yeah. thing I want to ask, because I always like to ask people this: Do you have any like stage ceremony, ceremony, stage like pre-stage rituals? Anything you do pre-stage before you get up, start throwing it uh, down? Pa- pa- pace around a lot and be nervous. Pace around and be nervous. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Yeah. No, I usually that um, in combo with with drinking a beer. I would say most people see like I have somebody who's like shotgun a beer. They're like, we're just shotgunning a beer and we're going up. That's it. So yeah, for go. me, so so specifically, what my ritual is, um, an hour before the um, this 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 set, I I pace around a lot. Um, I kind of establish like an attack plan. Like I might like look at the CDJs and just kind of be like, okay, that's the setup. All right, um, and uh, I kind of like go through scenarios in my head of like what could go wrong. And then I'll yeah I'll just pace around, be nervous, and drink a beer, and then I'll go stand awkwardly by the DJ table um, five or ten minutes before my set. So it's pretty much it. That's awesome. Um, what's it like looking out on the crowd, man? What do you feel? You love that energy of just being up there, looking out, watching everybody oh. go crazy. Do you feed off of that? Oh yeah, dude, I love it. I love watching everybody go crazy. Um, it's so awesome. It makes me like it's. I love playing shows. I love like playing awesome, you know, music and dubstep to crowds and watching them go crazy. And I love playing my own tunes and watching them, watching like reactions to them. Like even if it's like a lukewarm reaction, I still enjoy that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just love getting their perspective on it. Um, but yeah, I just love the energy. I love the react. I love the reactions, though specifically. Mm-hmm. I I, I, feel- I I feel like if I was up there DJing, I would love to just see how people react and get that, just feel that energy. Because then, I, as the air energy is building, my energy is building. It's going back and forth, back and forth. But um, hey man, I fucking enjoyed this. This was awesome. Um, yeah. Prismatic, everybody. He's got his song out with Lizzie Jane on Subsidia Records. Night Vault. Is it the Night Volume, right? Okay, right. Yes. And the yep. song is Dance. Check that song out. We talked about it kind of at the beginning. I think it's one of the best on there. Let us know what you think for sure. Um, dude, loved having you on. I'd love to have you on again to talk more music stuff. We we just really were talking. I loved it. It was a great yeah. time. Uh, yeah, I do man, for sure. For dude, I for sure want to have you on to talk about your TV and the TV production stuff. I think that's cool. So maybe we'll yeah, do a yeah, separate I'm, episode I'd be with happy, that. I'd be happy to talk about it. It's, 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 it's it's pretty wacky. Let's just say that. I it's bet. Wacky. I bet. I bet, man. Um, anything else you want to add in? You want to throw in your Instagram, all that? I'll, I'll make sure that everything's plugged in to the um, to the podcast bio and information. But uh, if you want to say anything right now, go ahead. I mean, just just keep an eye on my socials. I'm always like doing stuff, putting out music, um, releasing content. 
I think Lizzie Jane and I uh, soon, um, potentially the week after this next week when this podcast is up, I think we're going to try to do a walkthrough tutorial of our project. Ooh, that'd be um, cool. I, and uh, yeah, just just keep 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 on a looking out, look out, um, and just like support my music. You know, I got some cool releases. He's so. got some heavy dubstep. I like it. I like it, guys. Yeah, Get up on in there. Um, all right, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, Peace, thanks, everybody. Man. I appreciate it.